Welcome to Bridgewalker's Tea. Grab your tea, pull up a chair, and join us in these conversations around practical spirituality, systemic change, and solopreneurship. I'm Manasi Kakre, a practical spirituality mentor and speaker for Bridgewalkers. I'm Rose Pudzis, a storyteller and a professional talker. A Bridgewalker is an analytical, critical thinker fascinated by spirituality. According to human design, both of us are generators or alchemists with open throat center. What that means is that we love talking. And when we talk from a balanced place, our words, our expression, and our ideas bring learning and healing. We would love for you to join the conversation too. So don't hesitate to submit your comments or questions via the form. And uh, the link is in the description. So if you're having fun and you're enjoying this experience, please take some time to review us and subscribe. That will help us reach more Bridgewalkers. We hope that these candid, unfiltered conversations bring you new perspectives, spark an inspiration, and give you the confidence to shine in your own unique way of being called dharma in Sanskrit. Because it's through your dharma that you are going to contribute to building new social systems and structures rooted in love, equality for all souls, and equity for the marginalized. And that's what being a bridge walker is all about. Are you ready? Let's begin. Hello, hello. I'm Anasi. Good morning. How are you? I'm... It's a weird situation today where I am having a lot of false starts. <laughs> like, like I woke up and I was like, yeah, no, I don't feel like waking up. So I woke up later than usual. Then I was like, ooh, let's get ready for this podcast recording. And then another false start. I had to take so much time for my grounding. I wasn't ready for the recording. So finally we are here like, I don't know, one and a half hours later. No, one hour later, still yeah. haven't started recording. Still, <laughs> still just chatting. And then every time we were recording the podcast, I was like, oh, let me close the curtain. Let me bring something to drink. Let me. So it's the day of false starts today. Yes, it is. But it worked out perfect. It's day of false starts for me. So this was a, a great combination for both of us. <laughs> right, right. And the funny thing is, Rose and I decided that it becomes too late for my lunch if we start recording the podcast at this time that we are starting. So last week, we were like, no, let's start earlier in the morning. So we, we wanted to start an hour before. But guess what? Ultimately, it's our regular time. So. <laughs> Let's just do what it is. It takes time. It takes time to figure it out. It's okay. Um, yeah. How are you? I feel good. I feel good. Like, same as you. I feel like my morning was slow, but like, I feel good today. Mm, that's okay. excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, overall, I'm feeling good. Like, all, all last week, I think I had a, a very rebellion energy in me, and that's kind of subsiding mm. this week uh, with the new moon. So that feels like, Okay, well, because it's really hard to constantly be in activism energy. Although the topic that I have for our discussion today, it is coming from last week where I was explaining like a bunch of things wrong with the spiritual teaching on TikTok. I was like, this is wrong. Vision Board has done us disservice. And then I was like, why are people not saying the words yoga right? If, if they like I was explaining colonization through languages and I was saying, I did a video on, I was watching all these Ikea Howl type of videos and it hit me that all these YouTube creators, they're constantly apologizing for mispronouncing 
IKEA product names. Like these are literally product names, nothing major. But let's, I understand, like apologizing is not wrong because you are recognizing that you have this awareness that I may be mispronouncing the words from another language wrong. And maybe I should just apologize for that to begin with. And, and then it hit me that all these spiritual teachers who are making money doing yoga, teaching about karma the wrong way, by the way, talking about dharma the wrong way, but still making money from it. Not ever once bothered how yoga is pronounced, how karma is pronounced, how dharma is pronounced. And worse, they have never apologized to Indian people for it. Yeah. Right? There is no awareness that, that I could be saying this wrong. It is so assumed. And that's an indicator of colonization because in colonization, we value what comes from the cultures of colonizers more than what comes from the cultures of colonized people. So right. it's not just the plight of languages from India, it's the problem of African languages, indigenous languages, uh, uh, Filipino languages, right? It's, it's, it's the problem that because nobody had to learn the languages of colonized people for survival. Other people had to learn English, Spanish, French, Dutch, they Portuguese. Other colonized, colonized people, their languages, they didn't need to be learned. So who cares if they're not pronounced right? And that's what I was pointing out. And then I got comments on that video. They're like, oh my gosh, like some people were hearing this perspective for the first time. And sure enough, all the people from like colonized cultures, they were like, well, thank you for saying this because we have been feeling this. This has been coming up in their cultures too, in their countries too. And worst part is this carries in the people who are colonized as internalized colonization. So while Swedish people go on these YouTube uh, creators' videos and have the confidence to say, oh my gosh, it's so funny how you say these words. It makes me laugh. They have the confidence to say it. Indian people just sit back and take it. They're like, oh, I guess now it is yoga. So it's we better start calling it yoga. Right. So you see all many Indian teachers who are teaching yoga, many Indian people who are practicing yoga, they also call it yoga because it's internalized colonization. In fact, if you say yoga in India, it's looked down upon. It's like, oh, what are you saying? You must be old or you must be like from some village where English hasn't reached yet. Yeah. I mean, right? it is wild. You're the one who taught me that. I remember for the first time, yeah. I've never even heard that before. And now when I, because you taught me, it's like, I am so much more aware of that. And it's, it is crazy how far from the truth it is. <laughs> right, right, right. Right, and marketed to just be sold in a package in a certain way. Like it's, yeah, and I, yeah, it's one right. of those things like now, and I'm still learning so much more. I'm learning a lot, but like, it is crazy. Right, right. So that brings us to our topic today, because in one of those videos, when I was talking about vision boards and how that has done us disservice. And by the way, if you want any of these videos that I'm talking about, go to my TikTok. TikTok is quite happening. The Bridgewalkers community there is happening. They are active. They ask questions and I answer them. So that community is very active there. Go up there. And this is, by the way, Rose, once again, is bringing up the need for Patreon because people are like, 
where do I answer these small questions in a when they go to place where everybody can gather? Some people yes. are on podcasts, some people are on TikTok. So we need to have this Patreon for Bridge Walkers, and that's coming up soon. Pay attention to it. Maybe it has already come by the time this episode is released. Uh, it probably is. So if it is people, we will include the link of the Patreon below. Join the Patreon. Yeah. Support me as a creator because last week, I remember we talked about problems in the speaking industry, right? And it hit me. I was like, why am I relying on, of course I wasn't, but why am I like still mentally, I was relying on event organizers to hire me as a speaker. I was like, why am I relying? If Patreon supporters support me, I can just give speeches to them. Like I reach directly to my audience. I cut the middle people. I do my own events, right? So yeah, so Patreon is happening. And if there is a link and you want to support me and learn from me, then please join my Patreon. Um, But yeah, so the person there asked a question that is really a good question on TikTok. Like not on TikTok, but it's a good question. They asked on TikTok. I don't know their pronouns, so I'm just going to call them they. They asked it on TikTok and I want to answer this question and I want to dive deep because this answer, I tried answering it in like, I quickly replied to them, but then I was like, there is so many facets to this answer. There needs to be examples. There need to be explanation of the concepts. So that's what we are going to dive deep on. Um, And that's about, so let me read the comment of this person and question. Uh, By the way, thank you to Plarsachi. And I looked up, I was like, what is Plarsachi, right? Uh, first of all, with my Indianness, I actually pronounced it, pronounced it as Plarsais at first. And then I was like, let me make sure I'm saying their, their, uh, their handle right. And I went on their uh, profile and they said there that this is a mixture of Plur and Versace. <laughs> and Plur is a rave term for, what was it, Rose? What did we look Peace, at? love, um... Peace, love, unity, and respect. Yes. So already love the vibe of the word plurb, right? We are right there with it. But Plarsachi, the username Plarsachi, they asked this question. I wish I had a teacher. I'm out here just raw dogging life. How does one go about finding a teacher? Much love for your responses. So thank you for bringing up this, this, Fundamental question. How do we look for the right teachers? Because we know in coaching industry, there are just, there's just so much fluff. And if we take it into like this particular part of coaching industry, which is spiritual mentorship and spiritual teaching, which is what they're asking because they're following me. And those are the type of teachers they're looking for in this case. But we will also answer this generally. But especially narrowing it to spiritual mentorship type of teachers, there have been so many issues with the teachers themselves that if you don't find the right teachers, you are picking up on their wounds if they haven't healed them, if they haven't understood that they are also humans going through this journey, so they are not perfect, then they impose. So the spiritual leaders who turn, like who are abusing women, and teaching unity on one side, right? That's what it goes into those kind of territories then, yes. right? So we constantly have to look for who is the right teacher for me? 
And we are now going to discuss parameters or like whatever came to my mind as these ideas of how to select a good teacher and what are the qualities of a good teacher? What is to look for? And um, some of it has come from my own experience of dealing with unaligned teachers. And some of it has come from really being blessed by good teachers, really aligned teachers. So what do you say, Rose? Are you up for this discussion? No, I'm totally up for this. I'm listening to you because I feel like you're about to go into something because this is a great question. I feel like I've asked, we've had this conversation before because I've had my share of great and not so great teachers. Um, But I love this because I think right now, especially because so many people are coaches, I think a lot of people, um, there is something about wanting to learn or be mentored by people that you admire, but how do you know who to look for when you're at this beginning stages? You know, like that's the one I always get, like would get stuck with. How do you know what the right one is? And I, um, I, so I am curious to hear what you have to say, but I know for me, one of the things I keep coming back to is like, I really just have to trust my intuition with some of this stuff. There's something deeply ingrained and I know it. Right. I always know when I had somebody that wasn't a good fit, I could look back and say, I was going off of a different set of, like I was in a different place. um, And I was more desperate to be like, I just want this and I'm just gonna, you know, power through. And I found something that was, in that, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't right. 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 So let's, let's just start there because that's such a great point. It's the point of like, trust your intuition when it comes to teachers. If you resonate with somebody and that's the response I wrote to them. If you resonate with somebody, follow them, invest in them, try to find out more about them, give them time, give them attention, give them energy, learn from them. The reason I'm saying this, and this doesn't even mean that you have to literally invest in their products, although that will be great because if you really resonate with the person, then you want to support their teaching and you want them to move move forward their teachings. However, supporting can come in various forms, but why that resonance is important is There is something in your soul that if you are on the path of healing, by the way, all of this, I have to say, caveat is healing. If you are on the path of healing, then you automatically have developed these ways of detecting trauma, right? So for example, women automatically understand that wounded patriarchy, there is something wrong. That's why in coaching industry, these methods of push, just do it, this predatory marketing, predatory sales, none of that is resonating well with people, but they may not be able to put their fingers on it. Yeah. Right? So just because you cannot pinpoint what is wrong or what feels misaligned doesn't mean that the misalignment doesn't exist. Right. Like There are times when I have in 2020, I was like, this person, there is something misaligned with them. They are trying to act like an ally, but they aren't really. And I'm not able to put my finger on it because they're saying all the right things. They're, they seem to be doing all the right things, but I don't know what is going on behind the scenes. And then two years later, something came up recently. And I'm like, this is why I'm talking that they haven't yet understood racism. Mm-hmm. They haven't yet completely understood it. 
where they, I can trust them and I can go to them as a teacher and say, okay, now teach me what you are teaching because you have done your anti-racism te- learning and now you will give me, you will not give me that trauma as a person of color. Right. Right. So the point is, this is just an example of how it can show up, but resonance is so important. Trust your intuition with it. If you resonate with a teacher, there is a reason behind it. At least explore that further. Right. Then, and the way you explore it is giving them more time, learning more of their teachings. These days, many teachers put out free content. Look it up. If there is anything, and okay, resonance doesn't necessarily mean you agree with everything that the teacher is saying 100% of the time, right? That's not what it means. But you resonate with something that they're teaching and you resonate with their values, right? So it doesn't have to be 100% agreement all the time. In fact, we we should get to so point number one trust your intuition look for that resonance point number two a good teacher isn't just the one who is going to give you what you need what you want to hear they will give you what you need to hear right so that means being and that doesn't mean that they are generating trauma in the process that's up to the teacher's communication skills of how they present that information but A good teacher is going to call you out on your BS. A good teacher is going to show you that this seems like something is blocking you. They will ask the right questions, right? So the person who is making you go internal, introspect, even when you may not want that, right? Even it may feel like a trigger, but you may not want that. Like one of the symptoms that healing is happening in Bridgewalker Visionaries Incubator is, and I didn't realize this pattern before, but there comes a point when something that I say creates such a situation for my clients that they feel that I am triggering their trauma. Mm. And that is their, basically, that's that almost like the rock bottom of that wound. Yeah. Where from there, then they recognize this person that I completely trust in leading me, the person that I have signed up to, to ask me these questions and I'm seeing them as perpetrator of trauma, right? Then that's when, and, and we already have created this safe space, right? I'm not saying you should give any teacher the benefit of doubt that they are not the perpetrators of trauma because that's basically what we're getting at eventually in this discussion that the teacher shouldn't continue their trauma on you. But a teacher is going to call out some of the stuff that may be triggering for you. They may not 100% agree with you all the time. They will not. A good teacher will not. You will not agree with them. You are two different people. You will not agree with them. Mm -hmm. So what happens in BVI is when, and I already tell them, these days I have started telling them, when they, they come for the chakra assessment call to see if BVI is the right fit for them, I ask them, this point is going to come up where you're going to feel that Manasi was so great until now. And then suddenly, why is she inducing this trauma on me, right? That point is going to come up. Are you ready for it? Are you willing to trust me through it? Because I will hold your hand. I Trust me through it. I will carry you through it. But that is your wound showing you a reflection of... So some people see if they may have wound around a teacher who called them stupid in the school... And then what I am saying, they twist, they, the, their trauma response comes in and they perceive what I'm saying as me 
not seeing them as intelligent in one-on-one meeting. Right. Right. And then that trauma kicks in. So we dig, dig it down deeper. And once they understand, they start healing and not just start. That's basically like the deep wound that we get to. And the healing has already started happening, but that's when they realize, oh my goodness, this is how this deep wound was. So I wasn't showing up on videos because I was thinking I wasn't intelligent. Right. Right. So that's how the healing happens. And the people have breakthroughs like that. So look for the teachers who aren't always like supporting what you're saying constantly. Like anything that you say, they are like, oh, yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. I have seen those teachers. They just do it because they want good testimonials or I don't know what they want. But go ahead. I was going to say, I was, because this is a really good point. Everything that you're saying, there's a difference. And I, I know this for myself. Like, I think there's this one way where it's like numbers, like here are your goals and we're just going to hit it. And there's like this blind, like not trusting yourself. We're just going to hit these markers is a way of, and so you, you're not really able to be in tune with these things that you're talking about. I think with you, like a safe space is what's important because you do need to be able to trust because that's where change comes from. Like lasting change. Anybody could say anything. I know I've said this to you before too. Like, one of, um, sometimes I like get in my head about things. People might say something and I'll take it personally. And it's like, who, what's the difference between, you know, being too sensitive and taking everything too personally. And, but also being able to hear like good criticism or good feedback. And you, I remember saying like, cause you don't open yourself up. You don't have to take everybody's uh, personal, whatever, feedback personally. I'm saying personally too much, but um, you could choose who you want to. And and then that also was something that was like, again, it sounds so obvious, but it wasn't for me because it's like, you know, you have good friends, good family, all these well-meaning people that you love that may have opinions about stuff. But I, it was so hard for me to differentiate like, well, what does it mean to um, take some of that in and actually like sit with it and be like, maybe this is something I could change. So providing a safe space like that, um, where you, I feel like it's more than just, you're not just teaching, you're trying to understand me. That alone helps open, I know me up to take whatever you're saying. So even if it hurts, right, I'm I'm more like open to hitting the message and being like, maybe this is something I should look at instead of being so easily being like, oh, whatever. This is what I hear all the time. Cause that's what I think is so hard. It's like, you want to trust people, but then it's so hard to, cause you're like, does everybody just think I'm too loud or I'm too whatever, you know, like, right. Right. And those, those defenses are up for a reason. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's where, again, so Connecting that point. So our we were talking about the teacher should be able to disagree with you. And yeah. you should hire a teacher who is not always in agreement. You may not know this, but it's okay for a teacher to be like that, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and you wouldn't agree with everything that the teacher is saying. But even before we get to that, there needs to be that place of safety that needs to be created. Yes. Right? And that falls on the teacher. Mm-hmm. That doesn't fall on the student. You so it, uh, the trauma sometimes in coaching industry is that if the teacher disagrees with you, teacher is calling out something, and you respond to it from a trauma perspective, teacher is very quick to say that oh that is your BS, that is you just don't want to listen to me, or you just so they put it on the student as to why student is responding like that. 
But if the teacher has done their job right, they have created a safe space for the student to know that I'm not being judged in this space, right? What I'm doing will be analyzed maybe, right? But I am seen, I am heard, I am respected, I am valued, I am loved. And that kind of safety is the most important thing in a teacher-student relationship. If the mentor-mentee relationship is not built on that safe space, is not built on that trust, why are we even going in those spaces? Right. If the space doesn't feel safe, and this is where, again, we go back to trusting your intuition, because for people of color, somebody, a white person who hasn't done their anti-racism education is not going to feel safe. Right. So we have to trust our intuition and we just have to say, no matter what you're teaching, I just don't want to learn it from you because Mm -hmm. that's not going to help me. Yes. Right. And quite often when you were saying that I have made decisions that were misaligned, it comes from that fear of missing out that what they are teaching sounds so good that I will miss out on what they are teaching. But what actually happens in this teaching relationship is then you, if, if from the fear of missing out, if you actually buy into their product or service and they are not an aligned teacher, they induce more wounds on you, on who you are. And there is nothing worth learning in this world. If in the process of that learning, you are picking up the wounds on who you are. Yes. Oh, yes. There is nothing that important that you will sacrifice your self-worth in the process of learning, which is why a lot of business teachings, I hate those in coaching world because they are telling people there is something wrong with you because you cannot apply this marketing strategy. There is something wrong with you because you cannot ask for a sales sale. There is nothing wrong with people. It's just the strategy that is not applicable to their business at their phase in business or maybe them as a personality. It just isn't applicable to them. It's not going to work for them. But these people who consider themselves experts, they come in and they're like, well, it worked for me, so it has to work for you. It works for my clients, most majority of my clients, and who knows even majority. I mean, people have claims that are unsubstantiated in coaching industry because the industry isn't regulated. So whatever they are claiming, I honestly don't even know if that's the truth. Right. Right. It falls on the teacher to be ethical about those things. So I don't know if this is the truth. But anyway, so if some of my clients are getting the results, you should get it too. That kind of mentality is wrong. Right. The reason it worked for some of their clients and them, multiple factors have to come into play to work exactly right for them. And quite often I realize people put it on strategy and it's not on strategy. It's on those other factors that have performed well, but when they're selling, what they're selling is strategy. So if you go and buy the strategy, you cannot implement it the way you want it. You may end up thinking there's something wrong with me. It is working for them. It is working for some of their clients. No. Right. And the reason you're picking up stuff like this is because you trusted a teacher that wasn't aligned with you in the first place. If you trusted your intuition and you recognize the energy of alignment, then you will realize when you hire a teacher who is aligned with you, you actually don't even know at times what they're selling and you will still benefit from it. Yeah. Right. This is not to say that you invest in teachers just out of alignment because that is also used in the healer's world. 
where it's like spiritually bypassing stuff. Like, oh, you align with me? Then just pay me your money. You may not even need my services, but just pay me your money. No. Like people, you're bridge walkers, you're analytical, critical thinkers, do your research. Like my best clients are the ones that don't jump instantly on my services. Those are my best clients. Why? Because they come in there. I, in fact, I cannot say those are my best clients. Those are my only BVI clients. <laughs> my only BVI clients are like, we have been observing you. We have been like dissecting. Are you the right person for us? And yeah. you were. So they have done their research. Before they come to me, they have done their research. This is not to say that you wouldn't resonate with this person instantly. You can resonate with that person and trust their intuition. But which is why I said, invest your time, energy into it before you make a decision of working with them. Invest your time and money, not money, but time and energy and see, do you resonate with these people? And being a Patreon supporter is a different thing than investing $7,000 in their mentorship. Right. right. So if you're investing like big ticket item, make sure the teacher is aligned with you. Make sure they are creating that safe space for you. Right. So while we are talking about safe space, let me bring in here how the safe space shows up for people. Safe space means you will, you will, you will be seen, you will be heard. Your identities will be seen and heard, but you will be per, you will be considered as a human being who is much bigger than the label of that identity. Like in my community of bridge walkers, the policy of how we operate in the community is labeled by this quote by unlabel me. Unlabel me is and I is a is a or I don't know if it is an organization or it's a business, right? <clears throat> but unlabel me has a quote, label me to see me, unlabel me to know me. Oh, good. Right? Label me to see me, unlabel me to know me. So a safe space looks like the one that actually does see your labels. They do see you are a person of color. They do see you are a trans person. They do see that you are, um, um, on the other hand, young white woman who is teaching yoga. So they're going to see your identities labels so that they recognize your lived experience. Then they're going to know that you are much bigger than that identity that one label can describe you. So now they're going to get to know you. So a good teacher gets to know you beyond your labels. They don't just say you are black. That's why uh, you must have the trauma of racism. They're, they, in your label, they will assume that. But while getting to know you, if they know that you have done your own healing already of your internalized racism, right? Recognizing and built your self-worth, then the teacher is going to build up on that. Right? Yeah. Then then the uh, if, if they say like, okay, you're a white privileged woman, racially privileged woman who is a yoga teacher, well, guess what? With your label, I am going to assume that your lived experience has created blind spots, privileges, cultural appropriation for you. So in order to get to know you, I'm going to question those privileges mm -hmm. 
and getting to know you, I may recognize, oh, you have already done your education in it. And usually people who come to me have done their education, right? So I'm giving this example, like, yes, I'm going to label you. But just so that I can see you, I can understand your lived experience, but then I'm going to unlabel you and say, okay, they have done their work. She has done her anti-racism education. So yes, while I'm always going to be keeping an eye out, like, are there any wounds coming from the privileged identity? Are there any blind spots coming up from that? I'm going to, once I know you, I'm going to see you as a human being who is bigger than just this identity. Right. So this goes on both privileged and marginalized side. I think what happens in lack of safety spaces is privileges aren't questioned, even though you see that identity, those privileges aren't questioned. So privileges just slide by, keep hurting marginalized people and the space isn't safe for learning for marginalized people. And on the marginalized side, you you may not even see their label. I don't see color is one of those things. Mm-hmm. This is one of those spiritually bypassing spaces. Like, I don't see color. Of course you see color. You have eyes, you're seeing color, right? So see the color, recognize it, recognize my lived experience, and then get to know me. Yes. So remember, safety looks like label me to see me, unlabel me to know me. I love Both that. has to happen on those uh-huh. communities. of, And this can be coming from a teacher in a one-on-one setting, or this can be in a community that a teacher is building. So if you're buying into some group service or if you're buying into like say um, an online workshop, which is, I offer that, these are the products I offer or in an audience, even my speaking audience, when people ask questions, I see their identity. And in order to understand the question that they're asking, I first ask them clarifying questions. So if a person asks me this, like say question, I'm like, just checking, is this coming out of blind spot or do you, have you considered this as a blind spot? And they were like, oh, I have never considered it. I was like, okay, so let's tackle that first because the question you're asking is coming from a blind spot, right? So even in my speaking audiences, I try to maintain this space. So if that kind of safety doesn't exist in a teacher's group, it is going to be more harmful to you. It is going to be more trauma-inducing. And ultimately, here's the thing. We are looking for teachers who will give us the confidence that we can do whatever we want. Right. A teacher who is the the teacher's job, I really think, is not really to teach a particular skill, even at points. A teacher's job is to give you the confidence that you can develop that skill. Yes. Right. It's the it's it that one of the biggest gifts a teacher can give you is the self-worth. Yes. Yes. So if a teacher can give you that rather than take it away from you in the process of teaching whatever they are teaching, you want that teacher. You want that teacher. Ah, I love everything you just said. <laughs> so good. <laughs> really. Right. I mean, because you, you asked me this before, like what I thought, I, I feel like I get caught up in like the emotion of it all. When you, you you say things so beautifully that even when I'm listening, I'm like, yep, that's exactly like I'm identifying things in myself about things I admire about you um, or good experience I've had with teachers, even the not so great ones. It's like, you're making sense of a lot of things that I have a hard time putting words to. So mm-hmm. thank you for always doing that. <laughs> One of your great gifts, Monacy. <laughs> you are welcome, Rose. Thank you. I always love listening thank to you. Thank you for acknowledging my <laughs> power of my voice. Well, it is. You, you and really, channeling. Yeah. But that's such a good question to begin with. Like, how do you yep. find it? teacher and everything you just said, it's like such a big answer, but it is the basic basis is follow your intuition. 
but your intuition is kind of tapping into all these little points that you just pointed out. Right. Right. That is what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. So in intuition, you're tapping into how does this teacher make me feel? Do they make me think? Do they make me introspect about myself? Are they helping me grow versus just wanting me to learn a skill? A skill is a very different thing than learning as and growing as a human being. Our skill is something that you learn from point A to Z and then that's it. That's that's done. It's like going to school to learn graphic design. You will learn some basic things, but after that, what? You have to grow as a human being. You have to grow as a graphic designer. So in that growth, you're going to have your own pursuits. You're going to develop the other skills that are required for growth, meaning can I go out and do my own research, right? Can I pick the right mentors who can who can guide me in this? All of these skills are like human growth. And mm. can the teacher teach you these skills along with the skill that they're actually teaching you? Right. Right. So that, that human growth is important and yeah. non-trauma inducing teaching. Because if teaching induces trauma, I mean, the biggest problem of our world right now is lack of self-worth in people. So they take it out either as like power and control and authority over other people so that I feel good about myself. Or they take it out as lack of confidence. So I'm not even going to start my business. I'm not going to do videos. I'm not going to take out my expression. Right. So in both cases, this is complete imbalance because there is not this healthy sense of self-worth. Right. And good teacher builds that sense of self-worth. So they will make you feel confident that no matter what comes in life, you can handle it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what a good teacher needs to do. And, and especially a spiritual teacher, right? Like especially a spiritual mentor. Spiritual mentor isn't just teaching you how to access your intuition or no. uh, how to meditate or how to, no. uh, how to, right? how, how to do yoga. They aren't just teaching you that, or they shouldn't be. They should be teaching you how to live life. Right? Like, like, Listen, like, yeah. this is this is something I feel like I'll go on forever about too. But like, I think that's really where my journey begins because it, it did start for me with like business, wanting to grow a business or start a business, and like being like, okay, so where do I start? Because again, you think I'm doing my own thing, so what's the smart thing? Get a mentor, right? Yeah. And, and I, I didn't even realize how much I ingested. I'm a hairstylist. So I was like, I'm not in the corporate world. Yeah. Just all this other crap, but I did by how, I don't know, just being in society, just picking up on things like what right. the right way to do things is, what the way people talk about business. So, you know, you're going off of that. And I think that's when this whole, your practical spirituality makes so much sense. And it's funny because I do feel so lucky that I found you because now it's like, again, it's fleshing out something that I didn't quite understand. It's like, mm-hmm. there was a spiritual component to me that it's about trusting your intuition, but then there's this business side. I never understood like blending them together makes the mm-hmm. most sense. And now looking, it's like, of course it does, but right. they always lived in these separate worlds and it is full of BS. That's the yes. other thing too. Like um, we, we talked about this in the past too, but like, growing up religious. I grew up Catholic. Mm -hmm. So now looking at a lot of this spiritual, like the spiritual spirituality world that's growing, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's the same stuff repackaged in a non-religious way, but it's the same exact thing. And it's so funny because it's so far from like how to actually use it. Right. And so like, 
like business can be spiritual. Everything can have the spiritual component. This is what I love about it. This is, I think, the thing that I couldn't put my finger on about you specifically that mm-hmm. made sense for me because I was listening to you talk and you were speaking in a way that's like, yes, this makes sense. It's like how you're actually using your intuition in your life. Right. You know, it's not just this thing like, oh, do you have dreams every once in a while? Like, I mean, great, right. you can, but like, but it's, it's like something you actually can use in your life, which makes more sense because it should be. Exactly. Right. You know, not just this over here is like, you know, manifest and dream and write things down a million times and then something will appear. And then over here, it's like, you know, don't think about anything, just like power through, you know, right. like neither one of them made sense. Like what you're talking about is a way of living your life, but you happen to apply it in business a lot, which is what I was looking for. So I'm so appreciative that I found you, but it's how to live your life in a way that you're it using is. all these things. It's such it a is. balanced way of living. And literally, this is how I teach, right? I I use a tool. So if you want to learn business, let's learn business, but make it spiritual because my ultimate goal is to help you live a better life, Mm -hmm. right? I'll help you live a more fulfilled, more joyful, more peaceful, more aligned life. So if I can use business as a tool of teaching, I will use it. Some people come to me when they don't even have a business and we end up creating business, but when they don't have a business, we start our healing process through relationships. How are you showing up in, I don't know, TikTok videos, right? So there are so many tools that a spiritual teacher can use to understand what exactly is happening in your own situation and what exactly is the type of healing that you need. Yeah. Right. So this is the spiritual teaching, especially is not like this cutthroat teaching. Like I'm teaching you geography, although I have had teachers who have taught subjects like that, like history or geography, and they brought into it a very holistic idea of learning. Like, oh, why are we learning history? It's not to just remember dates and what happened, but we are learning history because we don't want to repeat the same mistakes. You are learning history because you want to understand why this person committed this war or started this war. And what is happening there? The internal struggles that the person had. So they looked at history from a holistic perspective. And I actually not only remembered the history better, I actually got some life lessons from learning history. Yeah. Right. So a practical application of a teaching, to me, it's very important. Yes. And, And not all teachers are like that. I understand that. Like some teachers are just thinkers. Right. And they will just think and they will present ideas. And I understand that as well. And there is value in that as well. But again, that's something you want to need to, you should be wanting at that time. You shouldn't be buying it because I'm missing out on some spiritual teaching now. Like there's this mystical idea and I'm missing out on that. That's why I'm going to go there. Or there is like this cutting edge financial idea and I'm missing out on it. So I should go there. No, you should feel that resonance. You should feel the intuition and then trust it. And then go to that teacher, invest time in them and give them attention and then figure out. By the way, these days, if you want to hear from somebody, you have to make sure you are you are taking the actions to hear from them. Like literally the emails of the teachers, teachers like content creators, right? Our emails are landing in people's updates folder, promotions folder. So you may not even, if you think you're giving them time, you may not be giving them enough time to explore what exactly they're teaching everywhere, right? 
So you, if you want to receive emails from them, make sure they land in your inbox. If you want to hear from them about TikTok, make sure you follow them and then look into that following tab as well. Don't just look into the for you tab. Right. And every social media, everywhere, it's going to be something like that. Make sure you sign up for, I don't know, their, their, their podcast because there is their talking at length. And when people are talking unedited, you can understand them. If, like if there are blind spots that are going to come through in that unedited version. Right. First of all, it's OK. It's OK. I'm not saying that the teacher has to be perfect. We need to release this idea that the teacher has to be perfect. While we are on that, also. If you see a teacher who is afraid of making mistakes, question learning from them. Mm. Because if the teacher isn't willing to show up as imperfect human being, then that goes against the basic principles of humanity, that they are then portraying this idea that they're perfect. So that means they're going to do everything that they can behind the scenes to maintain this ego that they're perfect. Right. right. That's when if you right. question a teacher, why are you teaching this? I disagree with you rather than answering the question or rather than saying, you know what? That's a great point. Let me think about it. Or rather than saying, oh, my goodness, you are so right. I have never thought about it this way. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. They're going to be like, what do you mean? I'm not teaching this right. Right. They're going to get defensive because they have this idea that they have to portray themselves as perfect. Otherwise, their students will not value them. Right. So as students, you have to understand human beings, teachers are human beings. They are inherently imperfect. And if they are okay to portray themselves as imperfect, those are great teachers. Well, that's not the only, that's not the only way, but I'm giving you parameters like criteria, right? Right. So this one criterion, are they willing to portray themselves as Imperfect. Are they willing to accept that idea that they are imperfect and it's okay for them to be imperfect? That doesn't take away from any of their teachings. Mm-hmm. That just shows that they are healing just like you. They are learning right. and questioning their blind spots just like you. Are they willing to do that? And yeah. sometimes our cancel culture that we have makes teachers afraid to say whatever they want to say because they think that... Um, well, what if 10 years down the road, somebody finds out something that I said and come gets me, like get comes at me, right? As teachers and as leaders, by the way, every time I'm saying the word teacher, apply this concept in this particular criterion also to the leader. Like mm-hmm. leader has to be okay being seen as imperfect. Right. Um, so leader or teacher, if you are that leader or that teacher, then it's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. There is nothing wrong with it. Right. Making mistakes, there is nothing wrong with it. But if you don't learn from your mistakes, then there is a problem. Mm-hmm. Like if you're constantly being transphobic when trans people are commenting on it or anybody is commenting on it and telling you that, well, this is your blind spot. You're just being transphobic for no reason and you aren't even paying attention to it. Then, yes, you should be called out and quite possibly canceled <laughs> just because who wants to learn from you then in that yeah, case. Right. right. So. So it's okay for teachers to make mistakes and it's you should look at that as well, that if they are trying to portray a perfect image of themselves, then there is some wounding in the teacher themselves that I will not be valued unless I'm perfect, which goes completely against the actual principle of being a human being, which is every human being is imperfect and that's why they're perfect expression of the divine. Right? Our flaws also contribute to our divinity. It's not just... 
Yeah. So, so that unique expression of the teacher, they should be okay saying, oh, I made a mistake. And I apologize for it. Also, are they just saying I made a mistake or are they actually apologizing? <laughs> because that's where another teacher, especially if you hold marginalized identities, this is like this non-apology apology, right? You go in there and you're like, yeah, I'm so sorry you felt that way, right? <laughs> it's not that I did something to induce that trauma. I did something wrong that came out of my blind spots that hurt you it's like oh i'm so sorry you felt that way right right so are those teachers like do they have a track record of these kind of things like of course you're not going to be able to do this much research or maybe you are if you are great but keep an eye out for these things right if if a teacher doesn't feel aligned these are the red flags to be watched for Yes. Like there are people who did not feel aligned with me. And no matter how many people told me you should buy their products, I'm like, you know what? No, something doesn't feel aligned. I'm not going to buy that. Guess what? In 2016 or so, no, not even 2018 or so, it, stuff came up to the surface. Non-apology, apology. apology. Uh, the, the, the racist, completely racist images that they did not even think as racism. And I was just like, wow. Like they, they and, and I knew I was like, oh, you weren't talking about these things until now, but suddenly this came out. So I was like, see, I was telling you people, you shouldn't be buying from them. Yeah. Well, you did anyway. Right. That's on you now. But, but also when I say that's on you, teacher has a responsibility that they need to operate ethically. They need to do their own healing so that they don't show up in their trauma. However, it's that intuition. If you are keeping that intuition aside, not listening to the intuition, not listening to the alignment, not listening to the resonance, then yes, part of it is also on the student, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. This is not to say that you're doomed for making wrong decisions. No, of course you learn from your mistakes, but acknowledge them as mistakes. I see that what happens is when we invest in something, we have invested money you you keep looking at those as like keep justifying why that was the right decision for you. Mm -hmm. But if you keep justifying that was the right decision rather than saying this is a sunk cost, meaning once that money is gone, it's gone. It's better for me to look at what I received from it. And one thing I may have received in addition to some other things I received was this learning that this type of teacher is not aligned for me. Right. Right. So that learning itself is where you are paying that money. We call it in Marathi, we call it akkalkhati, meaning to the account of wisdom. The money went to the account of wisdom, right? But acknowledge it that the money actually went to the account of wisdom. So next time you don't have to put that money in the account of wisdom. You actually learn from the mistake and hire a different type of teacher. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. So next point, next point about good teachers, especially in the spiritual industry, are they teaching, are they teaching superficial and shallow or deep? Mm -hmm. This is such an important point because superficial and shallow has a completely different energy. It's like this, this energy of, oh, look at me, how wonderful I am, right? Or it's the energy of when in yoga classes, People are like, okay, we are going to conclude the class. Namaste, right? That's the superficial energy. Yes. Deep learning, deep teaching, 
sounds very different than that. Very different. It has this energy of, I don't even know how to explain it, but it has a different energy. So recently, I, uh, with the recommendation of Marcy, Marcia Bernstein, I started following this one creator. He is a white man from Texas who has gone to India, lived there, learned Sanskrit, and from what I hear, also Marathi and Hindi, learned the concepts from ancient Indian wisdom in the languages they are taught. And now he teaches it in the U.S. Oh, wow. He's not as famous. His name is Dr. Svoboda. And Marcy was like, Manasi, you have to check him out. You have to, right? Like, she's like, you will love him. In-depth teacher. And Marcy knows that we don't do anything superficial, right? So Dr. Svoboda, I, I went in there. I was like, Marcy, I'm going to look him up. Instant, instant understanding that he is a deep teacher. Wow. Number one, he took the time to learn the pronunciations right. When he was pronouncing, I showed it to Rishi and I was like, this is, imagine all yoga teachers are like this. How different the world would be. Mm-hmm. He was like, he said that. So I learned the first thing I did to test the teaching is learn the class on Sanskrit. I have learned Sanskrit for three years from a great teacher. And I checked out his class, Dr. Soboda's class. He didn't stop at Namaste. That's the only word they could know. No, he was chanting in Sanskrit with 98% of proper pronunciations. Wow. Right? He taught concept of karma in a way it should be taught. Like karma doesn't mean what goes around comes around. Karma means action. Mm -hmm. Actions do have consequences. That's how he taught the concept. And I was like, Marcy, I feel like I have found another great teacher that is teaching ancient Indian wisdom the right way, right? There is a completely different energy to deep teaching a person who have studied something in depth and they are teaching from that to a person who has just enough understanding of a concept. But just as my mentor, marketing mentor used to say, just knowing enough to be dangerous, Right. Yeah. He, he used to tell me, just don't stop there. Just don't just know enough to be dangerous. Like really move beyond that to be not dangerous. Yeah. That's right. Good. So that's what it is. Superficial teaching is comes from this place that I know enough to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that's where you see people who are doing stuff for likes and just like clickbait type of advertising, clickbait type of videos. This is not to say that you wouldn't implement the principle of marketing principles of getting somebody's attention and delivering the right concept to them, but through a story. This is not to say you wouldn't do any of that. That's communication skill. You would do that. You can do that. But that doesn't mean that you dilute the concepts. In this case, spiritual wisdom. And then teach a superficial part of it. Those teachers are know just enough to be dangerous. You don't need to go to those teachers. Right. Yeah. In fact, do not support that kind of teaching. Do yeah. not support that kind of teaching because here in-depth teachers like me, Dr. Swoboda, 
we are sitting here and I, I cannot speak for him, but I'm speaking for myself. I have sat here and wondered many times, does anybody even want to learn this in depth? Because there is no proof. There is no evidence that teachers like us, we are paid handsomely to learn from our decades of study. I there's just, no proof. There's just something about this. Like everything you're saying is like, again, it's like ringing true that deepest part. Um, because that is exactly it. Like things have been, been so commodified. Like, yeah. The depth is missing and people yeah. are craving that. They, yeah. I know, it's like, you don't even know where the truth lies because there's just so much shit everywhere. Exactly. It's funny because you're like, like you speaking about this, like, I know that just when you're, you're, you're following somebody who's really good at their craft, really goes to the length to understand something, the whole, you can see it in the work. I mean, we know this in all kinds of places, but like it, when you're talking about this spirituality, the way, um, the length that this guy went, not only probably when you're in his presence, are you getting something more out of it? You're able to connect with yourself on a different level. It's not just this cheap thing to fill up classes. Like I feel like this is, I, I know I crave this on so many levels because I just feel like we're surrounded by all of this fluff all the time. Right. You know, you're almost there, but it's not quite it. It's not quite it. Yeah. it's like a house, a hall of mirrors. It's just, I don't know if that's even the good, but in my head, it's like just reflections of the same thing, but you're never really getting to the point that you want to get to. Right. Right. And that is, that Um, is a a fun way of explaining it. Like it's hall of mirrors. It's, it's just reflections upon reflections. And you think like there are all these great ideas floating around. Yes. Right. And it's, it's not that. And, and the teacher who wants to, Teach in depth also studies in depth, right? Like when it comes to spiritual teaching, if you haven't studied in depth, there is, you are vulnerable to spiritual bypassing. Mm -hmm. You are vulnerable to conspiracy theories. You are vulnerable to picking up trauma from the concepts that are taught by privileged people. Mm-hmm. who haven't understood the actual spiritual concept mm-hmm. that by the way quite often comes from marginalized cultures right right so it's like this cycle of harm yes and vulnerability to spiritual bypassing like anybody who actually understands law of attraction isn't going to blame a disabled person for saying that you attracted this to yourself in this life. Or they are not going to justify it as like, oh, this is your past life karma and you're paying for it. That shows that you don't understand the concept of karma and you don't even understand the concept of past life enough. You don't understand the concept of soul enough and you don't understand law of attraction at all. Yes. So superficial teachings have this unfortunate power that they can hurt more than they can actually help you. And they hurt in invisible ways that we cannot put our finger on. They induce trauma that we may not be always able to recognize, but we just don't recognize why. 
which is why law of attraction is like one of the things that is used for spiritual bypassing so much. It's like, oh, if you if you are in a system where system isn't conducive for your growth, your well-being, then guess what? That is something that you brought upon yourself because these are the people who haven't studied systemic issues. And they are now justifying your that one point in your life, that particular situation as you attracted it to yourself. Right. So again, look for teachers who are teaching deep, not superficial. And what are some of the symptoms that you can see? First of all, energy. People learn to recognize energy, right? Energy does not lie. If you, and what I mean by energy is you, initially, I didn't even understand what energy meant, right? Now I understand alignment and misalignment in a second, right? Because I learned to recognize what energy means. But what energy means is this vibration of something. So an intangible quality that is in the words, that is in the way they are doing things. So for example, if it's hard to teach what is energy, do you have any insights on what energy is? It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. I was waiting again. I was waiting for you, and then I can like riff off of that. But I feel like energy for me is. Um, I sometimes quite feel it like a vibration. I don't know. You do feel it, okay? I do feel like I do. Okay. You know, I, you know what? I always. This is how I describe it. This is what I usually say sometimes when I feel like I'm trying to describe energy. And again, this may have holes in it, but I always say there's. You know, when you're sitting in a room. And somebody mm-hmm. walks in, they don't have to say anything, but you could feel an energy change. They might be upset. They might, they might not even have a look on their face, but there's yes. something that you can feel yeah. and it, it's unspoken and it can change the dynamic of the room. And, and I've been that person. I've been that person when I'm either tired or hungry and I mm-hmm. think I'm walking in normal and everybody like looks at my friend, somebody might say something to me. I don't even think I'm the one with bad energy, but you people feel that they can p- pick up on something. So here's the thing. I think the people who feel that are the ones with open solar plexus in um, human design. Mm-hmm. So those are the people that we label as empaths. They would feel somebody else's somebody else's emotions in their own body. I think those I are the people who sense, and you are that. So you I'm sense that it. Person. I don't feel energy change like that. I just know it. I just sense it, right? Mm-hmm. So if somebody walks in in the room and I don't pay attention to it, I would not know about it. I would not know. So I would literally have to be in the presence of the person either online or offline, like in person, I have to be in the presence of that thing at times in order to recognize the energy. Yeah, interesting. So so what you're describing room is one example of how to gauge energy. But basically, learning that how you sense things, right? How you sense things. Do you feel like, oh, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't smell right. Like people use that. Something is fishy here. Right. Yeah. Something is fishy here. Like, what is that? So, and, and then again, we come back to trusting my intuition. But I also know that when I was doing decluttering, this was like, I don't know, seven, six, seven years ago, I went through a major decluttering phase when I actually became uh, intentional about what I'm buying. Um, one of the books that wasn't even famous at that time in the United States was um, a ti- uh, uh, Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Malia Kondo. Right. 
And Malia Kondo, oh, she described recognizing energy in the clothes. Like she, her thing is, does this spark joy? And she described it one time while she was giving a speech and I was watching her YouTube video. And she said, when you hold that, those clothes in your, in your hands, what happens? Like, do you go somewhat upwards? Like, mm, like this? And then she said, some people will be like, oh, this is so good, right? Like completely holding their shoulders go up, their head goes up, their eyes go up and smile, their mouth goes up and they smile. If this is the energy that is sparking joy. And she said, and if it goes like, oh, like shoulders droop down, chest goes in, head droops down, then that is the energy that you don't really resonate with that piece of clothing anymore. So that's how she described energy. And once I, I wasn't in tune at all with energy enough at that time to recognize, so I had to practice it. So if you, if you don't yet recognize energy, first of all, you, you trust what you consider your gut feeling or your wavelength matching or what like if something sounds fishy, those type of signals from yes. within you, trust those. But in addition to that, a practice that skill of how you perceive energy. So Rose senses it, like she feels it, she understands it. I just know it. And I cannot put always my finger on it, but but I know it, right? Um, and then also, as you start recognizing these like misalignments, understand how you can put a, like what are the telltale signs that will show up? Like, Eventually, maybe you didn't understand that sign right now, but two months later, you found out something about that teacher and you're like, ah, that's why I didn't like it. Then go back and kind of give an, a reflection, quick reflection. I'm not saying waste your time on it, but a quick reflection on were there red flags about this? I used to do this in interviews. When I used to interview with employers and something didn't feel right and I would go through the process and maybe like they were not open to negotiating salary at all. And I was like, you know what? That was a red flag that I picked up in the interview, but I overread my intuition. And now I was right. They didn't even want to negotiate. Like they aren't willing to work with me. They don't value me or they're racist. Like something like that, that I would sense, but I didn't know what that was until an incident happened. So go back and create that kind of reflection practice on an ongoing basis to then understand what misalignment shows up in smallest red flags mm -hmm. so that then you are better prepared to detect those red flags when they happen and trust them. Yes. Right. So one of the red flags that I have is performative allyship. Mm -hmm. Performative allyship is easy to detect. <laughs> it's once you recognize actual principles of anti-racism, like saviorism. Saviorism is performative allyship. So once you recognize what saviorism is and how it shows up in people, then those little red flags become very clear and you can detect somebody who, who hasn't, they're just performative ally rather than real ally. I don't learn from those people. Yeah. Right. You learn those things. And um, while we are on that point, an important point to look at for, for in a teacher is what identities they hold. Mm. If a teacher holds a marginalized identity that you also hold, and they have done their healing work to internal for that internalized marginalization, then that would be a good teacher for you. Right? Because yeah. they understand your lived experience. 
and they have done their own work to heal the wounds around that identity that was marginalized historically. Yes. So it makes sense for uh, a trans person to go to a trans person for that education if that trans person has healed their own wounding. Yeah. It makes sense for an a person of color to go to a person of color, especially let's say if you want to learn about cultural appropriation and you are an Indian, go to an Indian person who has done study about it. If you're a black person who knows that there is some trauma around racism, you want to go to a black creator for that, right? To learn that. And not just to learn racism. I'm saying to learn whatever you want to learn, but go to a black person for that. It is helpful. The next best option is actually the person who doesn't hold that exact identity because it's quite likely that you they, they there may not be those creators. Like there may not be an Indian spiritual teacher who has done work around cultural appropriation. I am that teacher, by the way, but there may not be in your circle. If you're listening, I'm in your circle, but <laughs> you get my point, right? There may not be. What do you do next? Any kind of marginalization. If they have any kind of marginalized, that's why many women feel safe for learning from women now, mm-hmm. right? But that only happens if you have healed your internalized marginalization to a certain level where you actually recognize, no, I would actually pay a person of color to learn this from them. Because I had an incident where in my clients, my one of my clients who ended up buying from me actually told me that she... She came this close to paying a white woman to learn Indian spirituality from, even though she has learned from me before. So she discovered her internalized idea that bias that a person of color doesn't have to get paid as much for the same type of learning, same type of teaching. And when it came time to invest in like a bigger program, she was more inclined to invest in a white person's program than my program. When she detected it, she ended up investing in my program. But she recognized that bias, questioned it, and courageously came and told me about it. Mm. Right? But find out what are those identities? What are your biases? So find out. So people with marginalized identities, you may find that somebody who holds maybe a different marginalized identity, but are doing their education around systemic issues, number one, and are doing their education, uh, healing around their own marginalized identity, they make for good teachers for you, right? Given all the other factors are in place as well, right? These factors don't operate in isolation. This is all together. Um, And uh, recently, for example, my brother was telling, my brother is on autism spectrum. And he was telling me he's he he goes to therapy. So he was telling me that I have been working with this therapist and it worked for me up to a certain extent, but now I need a therapist who themselves have ADHD or some type of neurodivergence, right? right? So if they have some kind of neurodivergence, then they will understand my problems. Right. So same way, it works with the teachers too, that if they understand your lived experience, either through their own lived experience or through their education, as much as they can through education, those teachers are better for you. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
Have we covered everything? I still feel like we are missing out some points. I don't know, but I feel like we did cover a lot of ground. We covered we covered a lot of ground. <laughs> so the point here is people look for the teachers who are teaching you something in depth, not superficial. Teachers who have done their own healing so that they can hold safe space for you, whether it's in a community like a group or audience or one-on-one. Teachers that you can trust with holding that safe space. They have shown that track record. Teachers who have who are doing their own education around systemic issues, they are doing their own healing around internalized ideas of oppression and marginalization. That's important to learn from teachers like that. And then most importantly, you want to look for how a teacher makes you feel. Are they increasing your self-worth or are they reducing it? Are they holding you accountable for their mistakes? Are they projecting their trauma on you? These are not the safe spaces. So a teacher isn't just teaching you a skill. They're actually teaching you how to live your life better. That's the teacher that you want to hire. And all of that ultimately can be labeled as energetic alignment. Mm -hmm. If the teacher is aligned with you, you will sense it. You will feel it. There may be some logic that need to be given as to why I need their services, right? But I personally have come to a point where I trust my energetic alignment so much that I actually end up buying from the teachers who are in energetic alignment with me, even if what they're selling isn't what I need in the moment. Interesting. And I... 100% get something out of it that I needed to get in the moment. That's really cool. On the surface, they may not be like my astrological teacher, Dr. Michael Lennox, um, my human design teacher, Karen Curry Parker, uh, Dr. Soboda, right? It is sad. Uh, My my anti-racism teachers, um, and there are plenty of anti-racism teachers, but It's just alignment. It's not necessarily that I am exactly learning the anti-racism concept from them or exactly learning Sanskrit from Dr. Svoboda or exactly learning that particular type of astrology from Dr. Michael Lennox. I just take the classes to be in their energy. Yeah. And I I get something from it. I get something from it. Which I love that. Yeah. Trust it. Trust your intuition. Yeah. So easy to not, to brush it off, but like trust that. Yeah. Trust your intuition. Yeah. Ah, uh, I love it. This was a lovely conversation. Right. Thank you to Persachi for bringing up this question that could not be answered I in a love, three minute TikTok video. Yeah, so. no, I do love though, like the conversations that are ha- being had on TikTok. And I love this, how you brought a question. And I think this is such a fun thing. Yeah, because I, I was just like, um, if I don't have three minutes to answer that, let's just create a podcast episode from it. Great, great starting yeah. off point, yeah. Right. By the way, people, these are not just the values that I preach. I practice them. That's the type of teacher I am because... Uh, I was going to take a di- 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 tangent into the word guru because guru means a teacher. And the word guru... Guru doesn't mean the word expert. That's culturally appropriated version of it. Guru simply means a teacher. And it assumes that a teacher is going to do their own healing. They're continuing to do their own learning. By the way, if the teacher doesn't do their own healing and learning, don't learn from them. Um, But the concept of guru is so important for me because my grandfather uh, was a teacher. 
he literally spent all his life educating children and starting schools for people who had children from marginalized castes and centering them, <coughs> centering their identity uh, in the schools that he created because education was used as a tool of oppression in India. Education wasn't easily available to women, still isn't to many cases. And education, the right of education was denied to people from the marginalized castes. So my grandfather changed it. And I think as when I see myself as a teacher, I look up to my grandfather for it because he really brought systemic issues and trauma-informed learning when these concepts weren't even discussed or talked about. He understood uh, how he needed to show up as a teacher from a marginalized caste to the people of marginalized caste. So that's my grandfather. And really for me, this is my mother is a teacher. My mother is a medical professor. She's a doctor, teaches in medical school. My father did some teaching in... um, He used to teach surgery in medical school. So I have, I come from this family of teachers and I do take this responsibility (laughs) very seriously. And especially after coming to the U.S., I realized that the teachers aren't really worshipped because there is a day in India where teachers are worshipped. Oh, wow. And um, now who knows how many of children are doing it out of really understanding the concept, but at least tradition-wise, they probably do it. But so that's that's kind of the, when I see my role as a teacher, I treat it as a soul's contract. Every student that comes to me, there is a soul's contract there. And I treat it as a sacred role. I, I, I treat it as a sacred role. So if that type of deep teaching is what you want with a sacred soul's contract, then come to me. 